and welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. And we are still Eli-less, but he is doing well. We got good news. His tumor was not cancer. Yay! So thank you guys for keeping him in your thoughts and prayers. Let's keep it going so he can heal up from his surgery and keep that cancer at bay. Get his butt back to work. Yeah. And get him back on the mic. Exactly. It's kind of lonely over here without him. (laughs) Oh, wait, Chad, you usually sit next to me. Yeah. I'm all alone now. You moved away (laughs) from me. That's right. I can just stretch out. Mm, Punch, punch, punch in either direction. (laughs) And I don't have to worry about anybody. (laughs) So let's get to business. Let's take care of business before we get into our topic. What you got for us, Dave? I hope everyone is having or had a good Thanksgiving, all things considered. I am very thankful for you listening, because if you weren't, we would just all be screaming into the void. Ah! (laughs) Speaking of listeners, we decided for this episode to cover an area we have a high listener base in. So we invoked Mathman to crunch the numbers, and the winner of this edition of Haunted Road Trips is Radford. Virginia. But first, if we may, we have a new review to read. We do, and I have it right here. What an amazing podcast. Not only is it educational, it's funny and addictive. I'm constantly taking notes and discovering all sorts of things that I never thought to dive into. Thank you for all the work you do to make these episodes for us. On a side note, in episode 91, Unearthing Wicca, there was a review that you read, and I would just like to comment on it by saying, all the complaints that this person had are the reasons why I love this podcast. Sex jokes are my favorite. I love all the laughing, and I hope you never grow up. It could be that the podcast bothered him, because it can make you look within and deal with some not-so-pretty pieces of ourselves. That need to be worked on. Sending love, light, and positive energy from Oregon. Jessica. Thank, Thank you, Jessica. Jessica. I feel Thank I have so been much. justified. <laughs> Even though I am not the dirtiest mind at the table, <laughs> I was the one that was picked out in that review. <laughs> <laughs> no, the dirtiest mind would be mine. Well, Eli's when he's here. I was I was the one that was told that I needed to grow Whoa. up. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? <sighs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> and yeah, I read that review and I was like, I feel redeemed. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners got our back. Yeah. So continue on, Dave. What else we got business-wise? If you follow any magical or spiritual path or have just started on one, DM me or Lux Estrada to get involved with the Green Mushroom Project, a supportive network upon which we can draw healing, strength, creation, innovation, protection, inspiration, and the regaining of ground through community growth. There's some awesome things going on in the Mushroom Project. I have been listening to Dave tell me about them. and I may have even started a little on my own, but I'm not really a big part of the group. I, still I, I tend to, to be a join the Discord. solitary <laughs> practitioner when it comes to that stuff. I don't like to talk to others about it unless I'm like... yeah. 
That's okay. I mean, as long as you're still, you know, at being active and doing it, mm-hmm. you don't have yeah. to do it as part of the group. And I do some meditations. Exactly. I got a whole handful of people that I just um, forward like the links to for our um, focuses. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you can be an active member in it and be a part of the groups and the the chats on their servers and stuff like that. Or you can be like me and do it silently in the broom closet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. It all works. Energy all does the same thing. Speaking of Discord servers. Oh, yeah. So uh, literally uh, about uh, 10 minutes ago, <laughs> uh, I created a Discord. And go to Discord. I, put it, I posted a link in our Facebook group. Um, it's just Discord UNP normalcy. Um, you can just look it up, or you can go to our Facebook group and uh, use the l- invite link to join in. Um, right now, it's just starting up, so we'll kind of add some channels here and there as we go. Um, just general chatting, episode ideas. Um, if there's episodes you guys want to talk about, you know, we can have a chat just for that specific episode. Talk about cryptids. And then for me, and I know Amy and David started playing Among Us, and I'm going to start playing... And I thought it'd be cool, you know, hey, on, there's a voice channel for Among Us, so if we, any of your listeners want to join in, you can just get on, see if anybody's on, and we can all get on in Among Us and play together. Um, for me, I play a bunch of other video games as well on the computer and on my phone and stuff, So, and I'm almost always on Discord, so you can jump in and talk to me there or anybody else when they're on. Um, so just check us out. And for those of you that don't have Facebook... I get it. It's a pretty toxic place. We'll put a link on our um, website for it, and then, uh, you know, invite your friends, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you guys just want a cool place for those who do play video games and don't want to be in a Discord full of, you know, major gamers and don't want the toxicity about it, but you're friends of our podcast, you can join, you know, we can start a chat for whatever game you're playing, and you can get on and play and talk with your friends. And then, of course, we'll talk about ooky spooky ooky stuff. stuff. Ooh, we could like do like a scary story nights. Yeah, like once <sighs> a month, or like scary story, like uh, watch a scary movie. Yeah, yeah, on the Discord. Absolutely, there's a lot of cool things we can do. We just gotta get you in there, and we can start, you know, coming up with ideas. And we love listeners' ideas, so let us know what you think we could do with it, and we can try to do something. Speaking of our. F- Freaking awesome listeners. We got ranked number 15 in the top 25 ghost haunting or ghost hunting podcasts on freespot.com. What? what? That's awesome. Woohoo. I mean, top 25, baby. Yeah. That's that to me is awesome. I like we've talked about it many times when we started this podcast. I was like, if we can just get two listeners, I'll be happy. And then we got ten, and I was like, woohoo! And now you know we're in the hundreds and thousands, and it's just like, what? What? (laughs) 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 Whoever would have thought it would have gone this far? We've surpassed twenty thousand downloads. We have, yeah. We, uh, our listeners are awesome. Mm-hmm. Keep telling your friends about us. Keep rating and reviewing us. And that'll give us more listeners and more topics so that we aren't talking into the void. Yeah. Um, I mean, we love talking and hearing ourselves talk anyway. 
but it's nice knowing there's people on the other side. <laughs> yeah. We would do this if nobody was listening because we do like to hear ourselves talk and we think we have important things to say. So we would still do it. But it's nice to know that we are actually talking to other people. <laughs> I mean, crazy is cool, but... Yeah. So what did you unearth about Radford? Radford, Virginia. Radford, Virginia is an independent city in the U.S. state of Virginia. As of 2010, the population was 16,408. Radford is the home of the Radford of Radford University. Fun fact, you can actually take a class in in the paranormal at Radford University. That's Major cool. points for Mamie. <laughs> um, this town is this town and nearby area are steeped in civil war and American history. This is the perfect location for ghost hunting. So we will start our journey at its St. Albans. So Dave, what did you dig up on St. Albans? St. Albans Sanatorium in Radford, Virginia is located on University Park Drive. This former school, which was converted into a mental health facility, hosts events, including history tours and paranormal investigations. It has been dubbed the, quote, most active location on the East Coast, unquote. Before I get into some history, I have a dead baby alert. I appreciate the heads up. Yes. It's always nice to have a heads up when it comes to dead babies and dead dogs. Trigger warnings. <laughs> oh, and speaking of trigger warnings, we're going to talk about suicide as well. So during the 1700s, the city of Radford attracted both Native Americans and early Europeans due to the city's close proximity to the New River. Hostilities developed between these two groups, and in 1755, the Shawnee attacked and looted the colonist of Draper's Meadow, which is actually more in the area of Virginia Tech than where St. Albums was built. But for some reason, people attribute it with St. Albums, so I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> it. It was nowhere near it, but they say it was, so we're going to go. It's, I looked on the map like 30, 40 miles away or so. So like for us, that would be like if it happened in Edmond and we claim that it happened here. Yeah. So the Shawnee attacked the Europeans of Draper's Meadow, killing five and taking some survivors hostage. On their warpath, they stopped at the house of Philip Barger, an old man, decapitated him and put his head in a bag. Then at the house of Philip Lybrook, they presented the bag to Mrs. Lybrook, telling her to look inside for her acquaintance. Now when it comes to the hostages they took, let me tell you a bit about Mary Draper Anglis and her heroic tale of survival. Mary first had to witness the gruesome deaths of her mother-in-law, Eleanor Draper, who was tomahawked and scalped right in front of her. The war party snatched up, Betty Draper's infant from her and brained it against the side of the cabin. Poor baby. They then took Mary as a hostage and held her for ransom at the Shawnee town of Sotanonito. I'm probably mispronounced it. it sounds um, better than what I would have And I think that is now in modern day Kentucky. 
So some sources say Mary was forced to abandon a baby she had given birth to during her captivity. One night, she made a daring escape attempt. Some sources also say that a German woman who escaped with her tried to kill her to eat her for food two times. This happened during their 43-day, 1,000-mile trek back to safety. After this second attempt on her life, Mary killed the German woman. She's lucky she didn't get killed that first time. (laughs) (laughs) In the spot where St. Albans Sanatorium stands, up on the ridge was the ideal spot for Union artillery to bombard the settlement of Central Depot during the Battle of Cloyd's Mountain, one of the Civil War's most violent battles. The battle took place on a farm in Dublin and only lasted a a little over an hour with much of it being hand-to-hand combat. Casualties were high. General George Crook lost 688 men, about 10% of his force. The Confederates, under General Albert Jenkins, lost 538, which was about 23% of their total force. People to this day who have visited the area report hearing rifle shots, smelling gun smoke, and even seeing spectral mist rise from the hospital grounds. St. Albans was constructed in 1892 as a Lutheran boys' school where Headmaster George G. Miles envisioned it churning out the, quote, future Southern gentlemen, unquote. Part of this mission and its ultimate failure was due to the demands Headmaster Miles made for the students to be both well in academics and in sports. To meet these high expectations, extreme methods were used. St. Albums, quote, quickly developed a reputation for being a rough and competitive school where bullying was not only condoned, it was encouraged, unquote. I have to say that that's still kind of the requirement for Southern men. I mean, we're mid-south, you know, as I like to say. But that's very much like if you're a guy, you better be tough and you better be able to play football or know something about football or else people look at you weird. You got to know cars and you got to know football in the south. And when you don't know cars and you don't know football, people look at you like you're from the north. (laughs) I'm in that group. Yeah. I know a lot about trees. <laughs> you a Yankee. Yeah. So, I mean, that's still, like, very common here. And, yeah. I mean, it's even more popular further south when you get into Texas. I mean, yeah. Texas, it's all about the football. In fact, the education isn't as important. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Obviously, is isn't in Oklahoma no. either. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, that's what I was meaning. In Oklahoma, the education isn't that important. Or else they would, you know, fund it. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But our athletics, though, you better bet our teams have the best equipment there is. (laughs) They might not have a book to read, but they know that they have the best equipment. (laughs) No need for books when you have head damage (laughs) or brain damage. (laughs) (laughs) The bodies began to stack up, mostly from suicide with some homicides sprinkled in. Oh, that's how I like my murder or my my deaths. <laughs> a little suicide. I love my schools that way. Sprinkled with a little suicide bit of suicide with sprinkles with a little bit of a. That would be oh, a little bit of a homicide, you know. <laughs> In the 1904 yearbook, one student was quoted as saying, 
E. Blackburn Runyon did not return after Christmas much to our sorrow, as it put a stop to the football games on the terrace, in which he figured prominently as the football. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) This reminds me of, in middle school, there was this kid that was in band, and I swear to God, they picked on him so bad. And I mean, they would like kick his book bag across the room. They'd kick his trumpet across the room. They'd slam him into doors and then slam the doors on him. And this was like an everyday occurrence. And there was nothing that anybody ever could do about it. I mean, I think the kid kind of liked it. Like he would always put himself in the situation for it to happen. You know, I, I don't, I'm not saying that he liked to be bullied, but I'm saying that like, I feel like he almost had it as like that was his role. Oh right. You know what I mean? And this this that that for some reason that kid popped into my head when you read that story. It was like the poor kid just was bullied to the point that he didn't want to come back. Now the kid that I went to school with, he ended up becoming popular in high school and you know, all that fun stuff. But huh. sorry, I just it made me think of it. I might cut that out. I don't know. No, it's good. I I, I I think it's cool when we tell personal stories. I never pushed him into the door or anything like that. I was always nice to him. Yeah. But I was shy, too, so I wasn't I was awesome. always nice to the bullied kids. One, because I was bullied myself. And two, if they shopped the school, I wanted to be the only like Is it sad that that's a true story? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was always nice to him, as, as nice as I could be. I mean, I wasn't friends with him, but I was always pleasant with him. Because, yeah. Also, at the middle school that we went to, you were either bullied or the bully. Yeah. And very true. I was able to, for two years, find a nice niche where I wasn't either. And then I got into the bullied niche in eighth grade. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, for a long time, was I, the other way I, I read the, I rode the line, <laughs> like where I wasn't bullied and I wasn't bullying people and then eighth grade hit and it was like, bam. See, I was bullied seventh and eighth or sixth and seventh grade. Then I got in with the popular kids that weren't the bullies. Like they were just popular and not the nice kids. And then I, we were good. But that... see, the problem is I befriended the bully in order to, <laughs> not be bullied and then that turned around and bit my ass in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to <laughs> Enough reminiscing. Yes. When Headmaster Miles died in 1905, a little over a decade after the Lutheran Boys School opening, enrollment gradually declined until the school was closed in 1911 for good. In 1916, Dr. John C. King bought the property and set out to fulfill his lifelong dream of establishing the United States' very first, quote-unquote, top-notch psychiatric hospital. You see, Dr. King had worked as the superintendent at the Southwestern Lunatic Asylum and was very unhappy with the conditions there. He envisioned St. Albums as an institution where patients would be treated well and well-accommodated. He made several renovations to the former school and even added a farm to the property to give patients a place to exercise and play. While his staff could perform the -the state-of-the-art treatment of ECT, 
electroconvulsive therapy. So, so comforting. <laughs> which at this time was highly praised in medical journals and newspapers. Because it doesn't have all the side effects that its predecessor, um, insulin-induced comas, did. <laughs> <laughs> It's not funny. It's, it's not, but it is. Like, oh boy! It, instead of punching you in the face, we're gonna punch you in. Or instead of punching you in the head, we're gonna punch you in the nose. You know, like <laughs> they still use it today to this day. Um, but like with Headmaster Miles, Doctor John C. King would fail. It would become like every other asylum where the mentally ill were basically lab rats for doctors interested in experimental procedures. Those that weren't killed by experiments, uh, like electroconvulsive therapy, lobotomies, um, died from suicide or homicide from other patients or from the guards. There is a document from 1945 that listed patients at 6,509 and staff at only 48. Which didn't seem right. Um, I think maybe they meant they had treated that many patients because this is not a big complex. Most records prior to 1940 are lost or were destroyed. So I don't know if eugenics and sterilizations were performed at St. Albums, but that type of treatment was par for the course in most facilities nationwide. So the one here did it. Yeah. For sure, we know that. The one here did it up until, like, almost 70s. 1980. Yeah, it was the 70s. It was Native Americans. It got to where it was just the Native Americans they were doing it to, but... Because mm-hmm. they yeah. didn't fall under the federal law of yeah. not having it done. Yeah. But in 1946, after soldiers were seeking treatment for shell shock from serving in World War II... The federal government took away the state's rights to regulate treatment in mental facilities and operate under federal mandate, so their war veterans wouldn't have to endure conditions subjected previously by schizophrenics, alcoholics, hysterical women, and the mentally challenged, which ultimately didn't really put an end to any of the experimental procedures. These failed experimental procedures like electroconvulsive therapy had dangerous after effects like fractures, severe memory loss, and spontaneous seizures. Those that have toured these grounds say the electroshock therapy room is a, quote, hotbed of paranormal activity, unquote. Some of St. Albums' other active rooms, including the rooms where hydrotherapies were conducted, which to me sounded like a nice spa treatment. No, <laughs> I read about that one. <laughs> but, but let's not forget, this is a mental hospital. <laughs> Patients were subjected to being mummified in icy cold towels, strapped into steaming water vats, sometimes for days at a time. Others were blasted with fire hoses. One of these rooms in particular is now called Suicide Bathroom. One patient I heard about miscarried her baby and hid it in a jar under her bed. She would cradle it at night while she slept. Other patients ratted her out, and staff took it away from her. She hung herself not long after that. Down in the basement where the bowling alley is are two female spirits, Allie and Gina Renee Hall. 
Allie is thought to be the young daughter of one of the hospital's patients. Gina is named after a woman that was murdered on June 28, 1980, on Hazel Hollow Road, close by the St. Albans Sanatorium. I would say fun fact, but this isn't that fun of a fact. This is the first case in Virginia where the justice system tried and convicted a man on murder charges without a body. It is speculated that the body of Gina was mixed into the foundation of some buildings that were being constructed at the time to expand the campus. In the 1990s, Carolion Health Systems acquired St. Albans Sanatorium and vacated it in 2003. It said abandoned and it was mostly used as a hangout for local teenagers. Whoop, whoop. Mount chicken, mount, Then Tim Gregory bought the property. His mission was to renovate the remaining buildings to transform it into a, quote, research and enlightenment center, unquote. To fund this effort, he hosted events at the old sanatorium including a haunted house Halloween extravaganza. The dark hallways, deteriorating walls, and sporadic wheelchairs and gurneys make for a very ominous atmosphere. That's what Griffin needs to do with that building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charge people to come in at Halloween time and set it up as a spook house. Yeah. Private and public ghost hunts were conducted and led by teams of paranormal experts including 3.33 a.m. Paranormal, which recorded a ghost whispering, Deborah, Deborah, inside the electroshock therapy room. Deborah. Black Raven Paranormal investigated in 2013 in the small bathroom dubbed the Suicide Bathroom, which I was talking about earlier. One team member was touched by something. Could it have been the ghost of one of the four rumored to have committed suicide in that room? Or was his partner just in the mood? (laughs) Debra. (laughs) (laughs) In 2014, paranormal ghost trackers recorded several EVPs and captured a strange shadow on film in a stairwell. Several visitors have also heard disembodied screams down the hallways of these abandoned buildings. Debra! I have no idea who owns it now. Maybe the Radford University, but they still hold haunted houses there and allow paranormal investigators to tour and research the grounds. All right, I have it figured out. We're going to buy an old abandoned sanatorium. We're going to turn part of it into our podcast studio. The rest we're going to send up for investigations throughout the year, but at Halloween, we're going to turn it into a, a spook house. No, there's one building here in Norman. Now we gotta figure out how to get a hold of. Get, well, it's owned by the state, so it's gonna be impossible to get. <laughs> but that's what I wanna do. I also wanna buy this old perfect swing building over here that's yeah. all decrepit now, and I wanna turn it into a Halloween themed restaurant. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, it looks creepy as hell. You don't fix the building up, right? And then you can do haunted house. You can do haunted houses and stuff, and like. Yeah. Oh, there's like there's the so upstairs. many hidden doors and offices upstairs. It'd be yeah, a perfect to place there. to. Uh, do a haunted house because yeah, go up the st- have go up the stairs to come around to the ag- entrance or one of the doors that goes to the back office areas, and there's 
eight or nine different built or offices there that are also all have doors interconnecting to them and stuff. So you have them go through and then start going through the rooms and yeah, that'd be pretty cool. See, and then you've got the outside, so you got the go kart track, right? So you can do like haunted go karts or some some fun like go kart thing. Yeah, you could fill up the pool and do bumper boats. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you could do to have outside entertainment and inside entertainment. Yeah. And I totally want to do this, but I, I've I, wanted to buy that building since it went up. So we need to start a GoFundMe. <laughs> and we, <laughs> I mean, what the tornado hit it? Yeah. What fifteen years ago? No, ten yeah. years ago. And what that was is the person that just bought it from its current or pr- previous owner didn't get insurance on it when the before the tornado hit, Ouch. and he spent all his money on buying the property. Or at least this is what I've been told by the previous owner is that he didn't have the money to fix it up after he bought it and just let it go into like foreclosure and i mean it wasn't that bad of tornado damage like a roof on a couple there's some structural damages in the roof is there that's weird he didn't have to have insurance if you paid cash for it you don't have to oh if you have a loan you have to but if you pay cash <coughs> i don't remember the whole story this is what i was hearing from the previous owner's daughter that i was friends with so yeah and this was many 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 moons yeah. ago yep so that is the sanatorium. St. Albans Sanatorium. Chad, where do you have planned for us to go next on our trip? I have La Riviera. La Riviera. Or better known as Inglis Castle. Or just the castle by the locals. This is a home that has its own unique and crazy story. The home was built in 1892 by the grandson of Mary Draper Inglis who had been tied to St. Albans Sanitarium, which Dave just told their story, so I don't have to. The home was built by Captain William Inglis and for his wife, Minnie. The day they were set to move in, the house burnt down. William rebuilt it exactly how he had done it before. The beautiful two-story castle of La Riviera can be found on 5 English Street, right next to the New River. It operates today as an event space, playing host to galas and fundraisers. It is a fantastic example of the Queen Anne architectural style. It stands on a level terrace and is surrounded by hayfields and wood lots. Its limestone foundation is topped with beveled brownstone, and its exterior woodwork is painted dark forest green. One of its most remarkable exterior features is a white, hip-roofed porch that leads off into an open-air vestibule. La Riviere has ten rooms, all with wooden floors, some decorated with perioded carpeting. Let's start with what lies... <laughs> I was wondering hey, what? if going to catch... Dave uh, giggled at it, and then I caught what you said. Said. I was going to notice if any of you guys thought about that. Was this red, red stained carpets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's from the time pre-pad, right? Hey, <laughs> nobody got cups then. <laughs> so let's start with what lies on the first floor. Front hall has a mis- magnificent Dutch door, dark oak panels, a fireplace, and stained glass windows. The library, located in the south end of the hall, has a mantle graced by a lovely silver black mirror. I As- wonder if there's a secret passage in it. Ooh. As for the parlor, it has it too has a fireplace and an overmantel mirror. It retains the original burlap wall covering. Then there is a large dining room, ideal for hosting dinners, 
as the tables are arranged in a buffet style. A two-way swinging door leads off into the pantry and kitchen, which has since been equipped with modern countertops and utilities. On the second floor of the mansion, there are several impressive bedrooms and what was once William Inglis' old office. A small flight of stairs leads up to the attic, which itself has two levels, one of which of the attic's rooms is believed to be where the servants lived before the 1920s. Outside La Rivia, there is a cook's house, an ice house, and the remnants of an ancient chimney. The raised drive, which approaches the castle, is hugged on both sides by a low stone wall. Meanwhile, the walkway, which leads to La Riviere's main entrance, is flanked by limestone gate pillars. Sounds like the house from Clue. <laughs> it kind of looks like it. It looks yeah. really pretty cool. I'm not a fan of the green painting on the outside. I would have done it in brick or stone or something, but that's just me. <laughs> William and Minnie had no children, so invited two relatives to live with them. And Annie McLennan Bass, fondly referred to as Aunt Nanny, was a lovely 84-year-old woman. And Fanny Baker was a 50-year-old 50, 50 dressmaker. For a brief period of time, a young doctor named William Fuqua. Sorry if I pronounced that last name wrong. I think it's pronounced fuck ya. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck you. <laughs> no, fuck me. <laughs> and his wife, Virginia, also <coughs> stayed in the house. Otherwise, it was occupied by house servants and their children. A cook named Andy Meadow Casey was hired in the early 1900s, and she lived in the cook's house. The cook lived in the cook's house? Yeah, surprising. Why would that happen? I fear that's where the maiden <laughs> lived. Indeed, the lavish La Riviera Castle was built to accommodate many people behind a, all of its grandeur and rich history lies plenty of supernatural activities. Bum, bum, bum. All that limestone. Several visitors have reported of unexplained occurrences. The castle is especially famous for being haunted by the woman referred to as the Lady in the Mirror. Lady in the Mirror. Some believe that the Lady in the Mirror is the ghost of Annie McLennan Bass. According to local lure, old Aunt Aunt Nanny passed by the library's mirror one day when a bolt of lightning struck outside. Her image, her image seared into the mirror can still be seen today. Although she died in Christianburg, some say that her spirit still continues to visit uh, today. Her presence has been felt by multiple guests, so make sure you stop by the castle and take a picture of yourself with Aunt Nanny in the mirror. I want to take a picture with Aunt Nanny. Me too. Aunt Nanny. Aunt Nanny. If you say her name three times, does she... <laughs> Aunt Nanny, Aunt Nanny, Aunt Nanny. You had to flip the light switch on and off and turn in three circles or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a funny thing the other day. It said I like to I like to summon Bloody Mary in my rear view mirror and watch her try to keep up with my car. That's got a lot headed. Oh, that's good. <laughs> So you got some more places for us too, don't you? I do. Where else are we going on your on your trip? So I couldn't find much more in Radford. So I looked on the map and looked for a place I'd been to, Roanoke, Virginia. 
Just, just north. <clears throat> it's about east of it. Yeah, northeast. Maybe. I don't know. It's it, it looked like on the map. Maybe an hour drive. Maybe so they kind of look like maybe two hours. Maybe three hours. yeah. Like from here to Tulsa, like kind yeah. of distance. It's not super far, but it's the net, from look at the maps. It's the biggest town close to Radford. You could take a day trip. Yeah, and I've been to Roanoke. A very pretty little town. It reminds me of Norman. Um, just it's got a small college there. Norman has a big college. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> just the way the town was set up and the way the people acted and stuff, it just reminded me of being at home, just surrounded by mountains, which was really cool. Is that where Virginia Tech is? No, it's a small, um, I think it's called Roanoke State University or something like that. It's oh, okay. a small one, and then Radford's right there by it. Because um, a lot of people were in town were talking about how it's like having two colleges because they're so close to each other. Well, Radford wins for me because it has the paranormal class. Yeah, I know. I'm, look, I'm about to start <laughs> looking up online if I can get accepted just to take the one class. <laughs> can I get a major in that class? <laughs> no, no, I don't want an art anthropology degree. I just want that class. <laughs> <laughs> How much is it just for that one online class? <clears throat> All right, so first story in Roanoke, The Woman in Black. This is probably one of the most famous Roanoke ghost stories possible because it's actually documented in local newspapers from the time. The story goes, for just a few days in 1902, a mysterious and beautiful woman in a black dress, the lower part of her face partially obscured by a black turban, terrorized the men of Roanoke, and not just any men, married men. As they walked home at night, she would materialize, whispering in their ears and calling them by name, sending chills down their spine. Deborah. Oh. <laughs> According to the March 1902 article in the Roanoke Times, one midnight eve, she followed a prominent local merchant all the way to his front door. The woman was only a couple feet behind him, and he naturally increased his pace. Faster and faster he walked, but in spite of his efforts, the woman gained on him, until with the greatness of ease and without any apparent effort, she kept alongside him. Where do you turn off? She asked him. He replied in a ho- hoarse voice, Twelfth Avenue. He was aware. She had hand upon his shoulder. He tried to shake it off, but without success. You are not the first married man I've seen enter this home tonight. She spoke in a low musical voice. Just as suddenly as she appeared, she was gone. Later that same year, accounts of an eerily similar woman were reported in West Virginia and Nebraska. But she never again returned to Roanoke. Some speculate she is a spurned woman out to get revenge by swaying men from their wives and causing discord in their marriages. Others suggest exactly the opposite. She appeared to guide men back home to their wives, ensuring they would not stray and no other woman would suffer as she had. And speaking of Discord, don't forget to check out our new Discord <laughs> server. <UMP> normalcy. <laughs> We've already got people joining. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I checked just a little it. bit ago. There's at least two others. It might be more by now. I haven't even joined yet. Oh, interesting. Interesting. This hasn't even released. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook group. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the next one is the Patterson Avenue Ghost. These days, all you'll see of the haunted house at the southwest end of Patterson Avenue is an abandoned lot. 
but in the 1880s, it was a beautiful the site of a beautiful, white, and haunted mansion. The house was originally a funeral parlor. Its basement was used for preparing bodies, and the main floor was the funeral home. And the upper floor was where the mortician and his wife and their four children lived. The movie My Girl made me want to grow up in a... <laughs> Mine is uh, <laughs> the autopsy of Jane Doe. The way that house was uh, set up is pretty cool. Yeah. I wanted to be Veda. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> Eventually, neighbors began to realize that they hadn't seen the mortician's wife or children in quite some time. Oh, no. When they questioned, the mortician claimed that they had gone out of the state to visit relatives. Two years later, they had not returned, and the mortician abandoned the home. Tag of a road trip. Yeah. Decades later, the mansion on Patterson Avenue still sat vacant. Families moved in, but would move out within weeks or even days. One Roanoke resident who grew up next door to the house recalls playing on the grounds with her siblings and the other neighborhood children. They often saw a young woman dressed in Victorian garb watching them from an upper floor windows. Sounds like the mansion from American Horror Story Season 1. Dream House. She was never alarmed by the woman, but one day she mentioned it to her father, who took it upon himself to investigate. No, he knew don't that go that in there. <laughs> don't go in there. <laughs> he knew that the house was not currently occupied and no one should be inside. He and a neighbor went into the house and saw the woman at the top of the stairs, looking out the window. Zoinks! <laughs> oh, oh, Raggy! What, <laughs> <laughs> Raggy? That's terrible. What, Raggy? Raggy? When the sheriff's department investigated this ghostly sighting. They dug up, literally, more than they expected. Five bodies, suspected to be the mortician's wife and children, were found buried under the dirt floor of the basement. And several more makeshift graves were scattered throughout the backyard. Keep digging. I was say, now it's sounding more like, what, what is the show with uh, Tom Hanks, the movie? Uh, oh, The Burbs. The Burbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he buried him in the backyard. Next one is The Grand Inn Theater. A short drive from downtown Roanoke, Grandin Theater is a local gym for many reasons. Not only can you watch the films in a unique historic setting, you may also encounter a ghost or two. The theater, one of the first American-built for talkies, movies with sound, was built in 1932. It had a rocky past and had closed down a few times over the years. What? You said gyms, one of the gyms. My brain <laughs> took this and all of a sudden, like, gym. not only can you watch videos or movies, you can work out in a state-of-the-art <laughs> room. <laughs> and then I was like, that would actually not be just any cool. films, but talkies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like, my brain was stuck on that. Like you kept going, and I'm like, wait. What? <laughs> I mean, technically, most of the gyms nowadays are like movie theaters, and they have a little uh, cardio room that it's got treadmills and bikes you can you work out movies? and watch a movie. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to sit and relax when I watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> At one such time in the 1950s, it said a homeless family moved into the projection booth. 
While they were there, two of their young children, one whom was an infant, died. Sorry, dead baby story. Yeah, that's supposed to come <laughs> before the story. Hey, I covered it for the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. He did it for me. I have dead children in mind, but no babies. At night, when the theater is empty of customers, employees claim to hear phantom cries of the family's infant child. Uh. One former projectionist projectionist claims to have seen a young boy lingering at the top of the stairway. I seen it. (laughs) Thinking he might be lost or left behind after a show, he followed the boy, only to see him disappear through a closed door. Others have heard laughter and clinking glasses coming from upstairs. A one former employee claimed that to have seen a ghostly face peering from the projection room when he knew he was alone in the building. Ooh. On that one, I'd heard multiple stories uh, of people seeing like someone's face looking out the projection room during movies, but not not blocking the not blocking the light, but just yeah, not face. blocking the projection, but they could just see the silhouette of someone's face in the window. That was just because the guy was like. And like put his like his face print on the window. I'm not gonna lie, I've seen people do that at movie theaters nowadays. But the fact that it doesn't block anything, and and last but not least, the Invanel Plantation. I think that's how it's pronounced. Also known as Historic Invanel, or the William B. Burrell House. This 1838 Bedford Plantation is the home of the White Lady. Well, of course, it's with Virginia. It's a plantation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Among other supernatural presences, said to be the ghost of Letitia Burwell, the oldest daughter of the Burwell family, the white lady roams the property, dressed in a long, white, early 1900s-style dress. Oh, she's like a lady in white. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, not not. She's not a white lady. She's a lady in white. That's like a reverse of the lady in black we talked about earlier. Yeah. Local musicians who sometimes use the home to practice often hear a woman's voice singing along, and visitors have smelled a musty perfume waiting wafting through the halls. What song were they singing, Amy? Row, row, row your boat gently down the street. <laughs> I don't know, that's the first thing that popped in my head. Sorry. And I don't have a gun. <laughs> oh, no, no. Gino's dress, pizza rest. I don't remember how the song goes. <laughs> I, I sang it 500 times tonight. Through the window. Through the window. When people don't read the sounds on the window. On the window. That's our work song. Oh. Ghost Hunters. <laughs> I have investigated the property on several occasions. I have noted seeing an orb that looks especially like an eye. <laughs> and have it's heard Sauron! <laughs> the great eye is among us. <laughs> Eli, I found your eye. <laughs> and I've heard some m- someone murmuring, the secret is in the wall. And, hi, kitty, 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 kitty. Burr. The Lee Room, where Robert E. Lee was a frequent guest of the Burwells, contains a bed that occasionally looks slept in, with rumpled blankets and indentions on the pillow where the head might lay. On the pillow. On the pillow. (laughs) Hi, kitty, 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 kitty. The secret's in the wall. The secret's in the wall. Deborah. Dave. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
And that is all for me. That is all for you. All those places sound fun. Yeah, these sound like awesome places. Now I want to go back to Roanoke and see if I can find some more. Now I will take you on a little drive down I-81. Are we there yet? Southwest of Radford, Virginia, off Interstate 81, there's an old country road called Major Graham Road. If you take this road to where the blacktop ends and the gravel and dirt begin, eventually on your right you'll see an old mansion. From all accounts, this place looks like it's a haunted house. Well, guess what? It has reports to go along with it. These reports start from the road you just came down. Locals have reported seeing shadowy apparitions outside the slaves' quarter, and they have seen a woman looking out the window from the upper floors. This is all before you even get into the old house. The mansion is called Major Graham Manor, which really isn't the best name, because according to history, yes, Major David Graham did live in the home his entire life. It was actually built by his father, Squire David Graham, back in the 1830s. Squire David Graham was a child of immigrants who came to America from County Downs, Ireland, in 1774. The squire, and Squire David Graham was born September 3, 1800. But the history of this property expands even before Squire David Graham was even born. In 1779, Joseph Baker purchased 198 acres from George Shilliday. Shilliday. In 1785, Joseph Baker built a log cabin on his property. The cabin was located where the mansion now sits. The story has it that Joseph Baker told his slaves, Bob and Sam, that he would put it in his will that they were to be freed after his death. Interesting enough, Joseph Baker was murdered in 1786. Dun, dun, dun. On the property. Courthouse documents state that he was murdered by his slaves, Bob and Sam. One story has it that Bob and Sam were hung from a hickory tree on a hill overlooking the mansion and their bodies were buried there. But court, doc- court documents lead to the fact that they were probably hung at Fort Chris- Criswell and buried, and their burial place is unknown. Local legend has it that Bob and Sam used an axe to kill Joseph Baker and then put his body into the moonshine still. With an axe. <laughs> Bob and Sam are reported to still roam the area to this day. After his death, the land went to John Baker, and then in 1790, the land became Wythe County, named for the mentor of Thomas Jefferson, George Wythe. Interesting tidbit of information. Wythe was poisoned with arsenic, supposedly by his nephew. Then in 1793, Baker sold 187 acres to Daniel Miller, and then it went to the Crockett family next. And then in 1826, Squire David Graham purchased 2,000 acres in 12 12 different tracks. Various iron-making buildings and a furnace. The Grahams owned about 29 slaves of their own and hired more from owners to operate his many operations from the 1820s to 1865. In In the Graham slave book, it lists the names of those held in bondage. They are Carter, Charles, Isaac, Phil, Duke, Dennis, Jack, Buck, Terry, Caesar, Randall, George, Bill, Lewis, Sam, Peter, Reuben, Matt, Briar, Church, Terry, Harden, and Bill. Most clairvoyants who visit the house talk about the slaves, 
And there does happen to be one in particular whose name is Bob. Which goes back up to Bob and Sam. Squire David was a big part of the community for several years. He was a justice of the peace in 1826. He was the trustee of the Methodist Brick Church in 1837. And he founded the Galena Presbyterian Church in 1850. He even had his face on a $10 bill from Southwestern Bank of Wyethville. Squire David was known as the first ironsmith of the Southwest due to his 14 iron furnaces along with forges, grits mills, roll mills, nail works. He even owned a general store. His properties were worth about $70,000, which in today's time would be about $2.2 million. Nice inflation check. Uh, I knew you guys were going to ask, so I went ahead and did it. Uh, <laughs> Squire David passed away October 16th, 1870. It is reported that Squire David may still reside in his mansion. Investigators report hearing a male come up behind them and growl in their ear. (laughs) (laughs) Not the growl you're talking about? (laughs) But that was much better. (laughs) Many believe this is Squire David Graham. Martha Pierce Graham was the wife of Squire David and suffered from mental illness. It is believed that her husband would lock her in her bedroom or in the basement, which was really what they did with mentally ill back then. Uh, Martha is believed to be seen in the upstairs window looking towards the family cemetery. You can find her name in her name written all over the house as well. Her, Her initials MPG are carved into that very window that she's seen looking out. As well as her name is written several times in the shackle room in the basement and in the Confederate room on the third floor. What's a shackle room? I'll get to that. I bet they have sex wings. all of which were believed to be the places where her husband had locked her away. There are also reports of a woman crying out for help. One, it, one witness even claims to have seen a woman in a chair in the Confederate room weeping, and then she looked up at the witness and called out, Help me. The woman ran from the room. What's a Confederate room? I'll this place is so big. <laughs> help me. Fuck you! <laughs> On the second floor of the home, it is the Betty Graham Civil War schoolroom. A little girl named Claire reported is reported to still hang out in this room. Claire is an orphan from the Civil War who Emily and Betty Graham, the daughters of Squire and Dave, Squire David and Martha, kept and tutored her along with other children. Claire reportedly died of tuberculosis or pneumonia. Investigators report hearing footsteps or sta- on the stairs outside of her room. And during... In one investigation, an investigator put a plasma ball in the middle of the room to attract a response to the light and the energy. The investigator saw a strange, faint white light in almost a square shape moving very fast above the plasma ball. The the light moved up the floor, up the wall, around the ceiling, and halfway around the room before it disappeared, moving very fast at times and then slow at points, as if it was floating. 
The room was swept with K2, with a K2 meter to see if there was any electro- electromagnetic field. There wasn't. On episode 805, Moonshine and Madness of Ghost Hunters, Jason and Grant experienced some strange things in this room as well. Jason was reading a children's book, and every time he would read a page, as soon as he finished, there'd be some kind of strange sound. Knocking, scratching, footsteps. (laughs) They heard a female voice knocking, scratching. I'm confused how a woman's voice scratches and knocks. (laughs) Scratch. A woman's voice, comma, scratching, comma, (laughs) knocking, period. Got it. All right. Oh, they found periods? (laughs) (laughs) Must have found the period carpeting. (laughs) (laughs) That was really just pubic hair. All right. (laughs) Blood stained pubic hair. <laughs> Ew. This carpet's so coarse. <laughs> Does it match the drapes? <laughs> oh, <God. White> curtains. <laughs> All right. So, where was I? Okay. They also caught the sounds of footsteps outside the room, almost as somebody was walking into the room. They asked the little girl if she wanted to play with the dollhouse that was in the room. And almost immediately, they hear scratching sounds coming from the dollhouse. They were able to recreate the scratching sounds by scratching their fingernails across the outside of the house. Also in this episode, Amy and Adam were in the Confederate room on the third floor, and they heard voices coming from the second floor. As they went downstairs, they discovered that the little girl's room was directly below where they were at. They then heard a little girl giggle while they were sitting in the room. Now, what is this Confederate room I keep talking about? During the Civil War, Major David Graham had, was said to have had secret meetings on the third floor with other Confederate commanders. There were reports of whispers and footsteps in the third floor room. On the episode of Ghost Hunters, Jason and Grant were in the Confederate room, and they both heard a swoosh sound come from the hallway. They said it sounded almost like women's petticoats walking past the door. Um... And then it sounded as though somebody was walking down the staircase. Now, Amy and Graham, Amy and Adam were able to hear Dave and Steve yelling down from the basement when they were up in the Confederate room. So that could account for some of the whispers. But they also then had the the voice that led them down to the little girl's room. So who knows? The dining room has has a report of a young boy who was there on a tour who came into the room during the tour and said, there's no spirits here at all. As soon as he said this, a, slayer, a chair slid towards him and the deer head fell off the wall. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting is in that episode of Ghost Hunters, I believe it was Steve and Dave, Dave who were in that room and they started out, they were like, let's provoke this thing and see if it, and they're like, well, Sometimes you catch more, you know, flies with honey. So they started out being nice. When they were nice, they kept having knockings and all kinds of weird things happening. As soon as they started provoking, nothing happened. In the basement, which is another hot spot for visitors and investigators, on the wall in the basement are holes that used to contain shackles for the slaves. This is the shackle room. And they're about an art. Like, if you put your arms out to your sides, they are about arms with... Like each little section of wall. 
And it is said that you can hear people calling for help as well as hear whispers while you're down there. There are even reports of people being touched. But this was debunked a little bit on the show. Um, when they went to inspect the basement, the ceilings are really low and there's a bunch of pipes and there's a ton of cobwebs and there's like even tape, like insulating tape that's hanging down. So that could account for somebody feeling like their hair is being pulled or feeling touched. Oh, yeah. So they debunked that that part. It's not ghosts. It's just spiders crawling in your hair. <laughs> That's I'd worse. rather have ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> the slaves' quarters is another location on the property that is reported to have activity. Shadow people and strange noises are heard here. Now, on the episode of Ghost Hunters, there was a team out in the slave quarters that heard the sound of a whistle coming from the room that they were in. And they actually caught that on tape. But aside from strange knocks and footsteps, there wasn't much else that they caught. Now, one of my favorite things about Ghost Hunters is the fact that if they don't find something, they just say, we don't think this place is haunted. And in the end, Jason and Grant had some pretty awesome evidence. They had quite a few EVPs and videos of strange knockings and footsteps. Um, So they weren't able to definitively say the place was haunted, but it was interesting. Now, if you like history, especially that of the Civil War, then this mansion is a great place to visit. If you like ghosts, this place seems like an excellent place to check out. During Halloween, they open up for ghost tours. But of course, like everything else, it shut down now due to the virus. But if you want to check it out before they get to open up again, there are many videos online, as well as episodes of Ghost Hunters and Paranormal State. Also, if you like ghosts in Civil War history, the ghosts of Grand Mansion by Peter or Thomas D. Perry, a great quick read, and it's free on Kindle Unlimited. And that's where I got a lot of my information from, was from his book. And he goes a lot into the Civil War history of Major David Graham. I'm not a big history, I'm not a big Civil War history buff, so that part of the book was kind of boring for me. But I could see that if you were a big fan of the Civil War, then it would be really interesting yeah but that is the grand manor cool sounds like i need to go back to virginia and start at grand manor work my way to radford i'm just thinking we need to get rich so we can just go tour all these places in real life yeah because let me tell you the the research that i do makes these places sound pretty freaking awesome yeah Mm -hmm. so thank you to our listeners and radford virginia keep telling your friends about it if you want your city to be our next haunted, haunted road, road trip, trip, tell your friends and tell your family. Get them listening. Get our numbers up in your area, and we will totally cover it. Yep. Also, um, any of our listeners in the Radford area, if you've been to some of these places or there's a place we miss that you think's really cool, uh, reach out to us on Facebook or our new Discord, Discord or, or Twitter or Twitter Instagram. or anything like that, and we can uh, you know add something, maybe do another episode and add something to it or share your story of when you've been to one of these locations. And We're starting to acquire a lot of updates from past episodes from listeners. And you know how at the end of the year we do our recap? Yeah. I think that's where we're going to address a lot of those things is in our end of the year recap, mm-hmm. which is coming up soon. We're almost out of 2020. Yeah. Like I have a countdown on my calendar at work. <laughs> and right now it says it's on the two months. Next month when we hit December... It goes down to days. <laughs> and like each day is like, only 30 more days. Only 29 more days. 
And it's like, you think 2021 is going to be any better? You got to have faith. Yeah. <laughs> you got to focus on the path to better times. <laughs> and I don't want to say it can't be much worse because <laughs> 2020 has proven that it can always, always be get worse. worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, thank you to our listeners. Yep. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now the new Discord, Discord, Discord server. <laughs> Discord server. I need to get my account. My phone's not downloading it for yep. some reason. Um, at UMP Normalcy. Our website is umpnormalcy.com. You can get all of our awesome merchandise. Check out Thunderpuss. Thunderpuss. Uh, our newest t shirt design. Yeah. 100% by me. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. It's, it's very amazing. <laughs> Keep keep filling me up with your, your, your <laughs> uh, <clears throat> make sure you check out Parabox Monthly and get your monthly paranormal t shirt. It's almost time for my next one. I'm always excited. Uh, you can find the link for that in our description. Use that link to go to their website. Then we get credit for it. And then use the promo code Paranormalcy at checkout and you'll get ten percent off your order. So use our link. Use our promo code and get yourself some shirts. They're awesome shirts. Do you have any prediction what the next one will be? I don't because I haven't done my... I did not do the, uh, the clues, the this, clues time. this time. Yes. I don't know. But it's kind of more fun not having a clue. And then they show up and you're like, oh, I love this one. <laughs> like, my favorite one thus far is... Oh, the Montauk Project was a pretty nice shirt. It's between that one and the Devil Monkeys. Like, those are my two favorites. But, yeah. It's always fun to get a new shirt, you know. I'm a woman. I like clothes. No. <laughs> uh, it's always fun to get them. And it's always exciting to see what the new one is and their designs. They have some pretty cool designs. Um, so, yeah, check that out. It's awesome. And until next time. Keep digging.